This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 40, Love is the Answer, with Amy Harris. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. If you're here for the 40th time, because this is episode 40, I am honored that you are still with me after 40 episodes. I can't even believe I have 40 episodes. That sounds like it should be a milestone. <laughs> Let's count it as a milestone. I am glad you are here. Regardless of how many times you have come back to listen, thank you for listening, for your ratings, for your reviews, for sharing it with your friends. You are the ones who make this podcast possible, my friends, so thank you for being a part of it. I am excited today to introduce you to my guest in our first interview of the new year, Amy Harris. She is going to talk to us about her journey through navigating her husband and several of her children leaving the church and what that has been like for her to try to hold on to her faith amid all of those challenges and the important things that she has learned as a result of them. There's so much wisdom in this. It's very relatable. I think a lot of people struggle with the same challenges or similar challenges as Amy has. So I cannot wait for you to hear her take, her story, her light. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to the interview. Hello, my friends. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Amy Harris, today. And funny story, this is our second recording <laughs> of this interview because we had such bad technical challenges the first time. So we are going to pray that everything goes smoothly. So I already know a little bit about Amy's story because I've heard it before and it's amazing and she's amazing. So I can't wait for you to meet her. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thanks, Lynette, for having me back second time. I love it. <laughs> second time is a charm. No, third time. Third time is not a charm. Second time is a charm. <laughs> that's right. We're going We're to go with that one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Amy, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. So, you know, they talk about everyone says opposites attract, which is so true for my husband and I. We come from very opposite backgrounds, pretty much. So I grew up in a family with 10 kids. I am the third oldest and the oldest girl. So I have two older brothers, um, which I loved because I helped my mom a lot and I got to babysit and take care of my younger siblings a little bit, which I love kids now. And I always wanted to be a teacher. And I attribute that to the opportunity I had to take care of my siblings. And so I just, I'm grateful that my parents had 10 kids. <laughs> and I love Not it. everyone can say that probably. No, no. <laughs> That's not, awesome. Not, not really, but we grew up in, uh, I grew up in Utah, just south of Salt Lake, and my family was very active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was just something we did, always. It was never questioned. I never wondered why we, we went to church. It just was, our family was very active. Um, and so I always had faith, always had a testimony, or what I thought was a testimony, because I just believed and I moved, we moved when I was 16 from one city to the city right next to it. So that was the only time I moved growing up, didn't even change high schools, 
it was just same really close and so my husband uh is an only child has no siblings and he moved around a lot throughout his youth he was baptized a member of the church but didn't grow up in an active family that was he went to church maybe a few times so like i said our, our backgrounds are very very different and we met when i was 16 we met at my first job and we dated for about a year broke up and then we went when i went down to college at uvsc which is now uvu i saw him there and we started dating again and shortly after we were engaged married the next year and had our first baby the following year and so here we are 25 years later we just celebrated our 25th anniversary and we have five kids my oldest is 24 and my youngest is 10. and i you know growing up in an active as an active member of the church was what i wanted for my family and so i envisioned having that just like i did i had i envisioned having that experience for my kids and for my for my husband and I, and that's not how our story has played out. <laughs> <laughs> so how has your story played out? Well, so throughout our marriage, because we come from such different backgrounds, church has always been a hot topic for us. It's been tough for my husband and I didn't allow him to have that space to, to grow and to have a testimony or to build a testimony. I, I expected him to just be on the same page as me because that's what we talked about. And that's what I felt like we agreed to. <laughs> that was our agreement, but we were married. So we were married civilly. We weren't married in the temple, but we did get sealed two and a half years later with our two little kids, which was an incredible experience. And so then I was like, okay, this is it. We're gonna have our forever family and, and everything's wonderful. My husband, because he doesn't have that background and he doesn't have that foundation, he had to build it. And I didn't allow that space for him to, to do that. And it pushed him further away. And there was a lot of resentment from me and from him. Resentment that he wasn't putting forth the effort to have the gospel in our home and to go to church and to have all the things that I thought our family should have. And he had resentment towards me because I was pushing it on him all at once. Like I just wanted him to be ready for all of it. And so obviously both of us having resentment wasn't great for our marriage. And we've come through a lot of difficulties, but we're in a really good place right now. But that it created a lot of tough years for us. And looking back, I mean, I'm obviously not proud of the way I handled things and I hope that sharing this is beneficial for somebody because I, I, I definitely don't feel I handle things well. So as I've navigated this journey with my husband, but being separate in our, uh, I wouldn't even say our beliefs because my husband believes in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's gospel. It's not the beliefs that he's has a hard time with. It's more the culture within the church. And so being here in Utah, we we have moved quite a few times. And so we've moved up to Idaho, which is in, near Rexburg, which is basically like Utah. And the church is pretty much the same. 
Um, it's a different culture here, I believe. I've heard that outside of Utah, it's a different culture within the church. And so that's what he has a hard time with, with the culture. Since we've moved so many times, we've had a lot of opportunities to be in different wards. And as we've moved into different wards, he, since he didn't come to church with us, he kind of started feeling like a project in various wards. And not this wasn't the experience in every ward, um, but overall, this is the feeling that he got. He felt like a project as if because he wasn't going to church, they had to hurry, you know, try and get him to come to church. And then he just felt there was always an agenda behind people being nice to him. And I know that's not the intent because I've been there too, as you know, someone who's inviting, my intentions are pure. Those intentions are very pure, but because that's not what he grew up with and he felt something different than I would have probably felt. Uh, it was just a different experience for him. And then if whatever the agenda was when it wasn't either wasn't met or no longer necessary to follow through, it was like my husband was no longer valued. That's how he felt. That's the feeling he had, that he just wasn't valued as a person, just as someone to try to get to come to church. And as my kids have grown, I ha so I have three adult kids, and as they started getting into their teenage years and adulthood, they started wanting less and less to do with the church, which was really hard as a mom. You know, again, I had this vision of my family, my kids go, going on missions and being married in the temple, and that just wasn't happening, and it was really hard. And they started feeling similar feelings that my husband was having. And it's not something we openly talked about, my husband and I, but my kids started feeling like the kids in the ward were only nice to them at church and didn't really care about them outside of church. And I, you know, as a mom, we want to tell them, you know, it's not all black and white like that. They're not trying to exclude you. You know, they just have their friends and moving into a ward is tough to invite, you know, new people in. Um, and so the experience was similar to my husband's for my kids, which is tough. And as, so as my three adult kids have taken paths away from the church, I started getting this fear building up inside of me. But I didn't understand why I was having so much fear. And the biggest thing was I was afraid for my kids' futures, obviously, like that I want what's best for them. And what I thought was best for them or what I felt was best was a path in the church. Because I had such a positive experience and it has helped me tremendously throughout my life, I wanted that for them. I wanted them to have that to hold on to, that relationship with the savior and with our heavenly parents i wanted them to have that and i felt that they wouldn't get that if they left the church and so i was afraid for their happiness and their salvation all of these things for them and then i started realizing that that fear too was more than just for them i had fear of letting go of what i the vision i had for my family i didn't want to let go of that because i felt like if i let go of that i was giving up I was letting go of what was most important to me. I've also realized something that, I, that I've never really thought about because, it, because of my experience in the church, I guess. I have taken for granted how easy it's been for me within the church uh, to have relationships with members in the church. Because I, you know, I had a family, uh, things in common with people within the church, and I felt like I was losing that. So I've was afraid that I wouldn't have a place in the culture anymore. It was difficult to see myself 
as being part of it still. And I heard it explained really well on a podcast. I can't remember which one. Someone explained it as living on the edge of outside. Like you're not outside of the church, but you don't feel like you're inside either. Like it's like on the edge. And so I didn't, I was trying to find my place through all this and just trying to navigate these feelings that I was having. And I, I realized, you know, I love President Nelson, a talk that he gave it. I can't remember if it was last conference or maybe, I don't know. I, I read so many talks. I can't remember which one it was, but he talked about having a myopic view. I loved that because I'm like, oh, that's totally me. I was totally having, that was me how I was. I was navigating these thoughts in such a myopic way that I didn't have a vision of the bigger picture. And throughout this whole time, throughout our whole marriage, I have prayed and prayed that my husband would change the way he felt about the church and that something would reach his heart, that he would feel the spirit and have the desire to go to church and to be, to be part of it and have that for our family. And same with my kids, that, that they would have that same thing. And so all these years I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and I felt like I haven't gotten the answer. Uh, then about, I don't know, a few years ago, four years ago, my sister introduced me to a life coach, this podcast. And as I was listening to this podcast, I had this incredible realization because life coaching is a teaching about how to change the way you think to produce better outcomes in your lives. And like President Nelson's quote that says, um, Happiness has less to do with our circumstances and more to do with the focus of our lives. That's exactly what life coaching is too. You know, it's not about our circumstance. It's about our thoughts. And that was life-changing for me because I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is all in my head. Like, I, yes, these things are happening, but this fear is not real. Like, it's not, it's not valid. It, it, and so as I started changing the way I was thinking about my circumstances and my my life, um, I realized that I've been praying for the wrong thing and not that those prayers were wrong. And I still pray for my family in that way, but I needed to pray for myself. I needed to pray to find peace, peace within myself because I, it was ruining the relationships with my family members to have this fear and to pray only for them to change. And so I started praying, okay, Heavenly Father, help me. Help me to know how to help my family and how to be there for them. And the answer was very clear and almost instant. I mean, all these years that I'd been praying and not feeling like I was receiving an answer, this prayer was like, just love them. Just love them and trust that I have a plan and that he knows them more. I've, I have felt that so much from him. Just trust me. I know them so easy. I already love them, but I needed to trust that he knows them more than I do and that he has a plan. Which is not always easy. No, it's not. <laughs> Definitely that's, not. That's really hard. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you tell this story and just kind of trying to put myself in the middle of it. And I can feel that fear right along with you. I can feel that how I would just want to hold on so tight to my husband, to my children, to the covenants that bind us together and learning to let go and let God take control 
is not easy. So how have you navigated that? Uh, I did not do well at first. <laughs> and like I mentioned earlier, I'm not, I'm not proud of the way that I have handled things, especially the way it's impacted the relationships with my husband and my children. However, as I've talked with them more, it, it, it's interesting. Like, I wouldn't listen to their side before. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Without, without the gospel, you're, you're going to be so lost. Like, you don't understand. And I had to change my thoughts surrounding all of it. And I started listening to them and their views and their beliefs. And we have had incredible conversations, really deep spiritual conversations that God has been reaching them in other ways. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds, whether they'll come back to the church or not. Um, but I know that our relationships are getting better and that I trust God to, I trust his plan more than I trust myself to know what I think is best and the, the path to get them to where they need to go. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. You trust God more than you trust yourself to make those decisions. I yeah. can relate. I can relate. I can relate to that a lot. So you say that you changed your thoughts. What new thoughts helped you to navigate that, that change? Just letting go of what I can't control. I can only control what's inside myself. And I can teach and guide my family and love them and share my testimony when it's the right time and when they're open to it. But pushing my views and uh, allowing that fear to run my, my thoughts and my actions wasn't helpful. It wasn't effective. <laughs> so that's what I had to let go of. I had to, to change my thoughts. And looking back, the prayers that I had were being answered in a very roundabout way. <laughs> and not that my family was changing, but the answers to my prayers were leading me to tools to help me spiritually because I was having like this mental block. I felt like it was in inhibiting my spiritual growth. I feel like, and so these, the spirit was guiding me towards these tools to help me mentally so that I could be more prepared spiritually. Um, but I had this conversation with my oldest and he was like, how do you know that the church is true? And I said, because I feel it. Like I would try to explain to him how I know. And he's like, but how do you know for sure? Like, how can you know 100%? And I, I really had to step back and think, how do I know? Do I know 100%? And not that I was doubting my faith or my testimony, but I'm like, there's no way I can know 100%. I can't know for sure. And I don't think we're supposed to. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to have faith. Like, that's what faith is for. But I believe with all my heart that this is the true gospel, that this is Christ's church. And I've had to change the way I think around that. Like, okay, maybe I don't know, but I believe and I have faith that God knows. And, you know, there's been a lot of questions from my kids and dealing with certain aspects of the church and reasons that they, you know, took a different path. And I wanted to have answers for them 
and as a lot of people have questions and like history within the church and things like that. And I just have come to the conclusion that I don't need to know those answers. I don't have the answers, but God does. And I trust that he knows better than I do and that there is a reason for all of it. As I've navigated this transition in my life, which I, I feel like I'm still doing. We all are, right? It's a journey. Um, I felt this shift, like I mentioned, like a shift in my faith, not a faith crisis, but just a transition in my faith. I think I've never allowed myself to really have that true conversion. Even though I've had a strong testimony my whole life, I've always believed, I've always had faith. It's never really, I've never allowed that to be tested. My husband and I, like a couple years ago, started learning about stoicism. And it's pretty much the same kind of things as like life coaching. It's mm -hmm. philosophy, like Marcus Aurelius and all of those great philosophers. And so I was, I was learning how to work through my thoughts and my emotions in, in a really a much more effective way, which helped me with every aspect of my life. Um, and I started feeling... I'm not even sure how to describe it, but I was feeling some sort of discomfort or it wasn't anger or maybe disappointment. I don't know that the church didn't have more of this available for members to help guide us through things that can block us mentally, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, like where I was stuck at and how helpful life coaching was. And so... I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like that discomfort. I'm like, I need to pray and figure out what this means. And so as I prayed to find peace and to find, to find it within the church, I was sitting in Sunday school and they announced um, the self-reliance classes. And I signed up for the emotional resilience thinking, okay, this is like the answer that I was looking for. I need to just find out what more about this. And so I went into it thinking, oh, I already know all this. I just want to see their take on it. You know, I wasn't going into it with a really great attitude. <laughs> um, but as, as I started going, I was quickly humbled, <laughs> quickly humbled and realizing that I was way off what I thought it was going to be. And going through that emotional resilience class, I realized how much I had started relying on my my own knowledge to get me through my hard times. And just like the scriptures, it was exactly what the scriptures say not to do. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And I came to that realization that I was feeling discomfort because I didn't have the Savior with me through that process. These tools were wonderful and helped me so much, but I can't do it without him. Like it, it didn't fill right right so did the emotion i've never done the emotional resilience class so is what they taught you in there did it kind of combine some of the things that you were learning through life coaching and stoicism or the other avenues that you were were studying in addition to the gospel of jesus christ how did that how does that marry together in that program i'm curious yeah it was actually very meshed with the gospel like it the scriptures that were shared and um, general conference talks, it was all there. Like it just wasn't laid out like life coaching because that's what life coaching is. It's the whole 
focus of life coaching or stoicism, but the way it's laid out in emotional resilience has all of that tied in with the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to keep him at the center of all of it. And so that, that was a huge turning point in my faith journey. Like that was, that was huge for me. And I, I don't know that emotional resilience class would have been something I would have ever gone to had I not gone through this faith transition. Right. Yeah. It's, it just goes to show that the Lord knows us personally. Right. And he knew that you were struggling with that particular thing and not finding what you were looking for in the gospel, but it was all there. You just didn't know where to tie it all together, you know, and that class did that so beautifully for you. And that just goes to show me that God is in the details of our stories and he guides us to the tools that are helpful. And you found help in other sources as well. And I think that the Lord can use things like life coaching or other avenues to teach us things, but I love how it pulled all together for you in that class. And that, like you said, was a turning point in your faith. So what happened after that? How did your faith turn? What did that, how did that manifest in your life after that? Oh my goodness. So I came to a realization that there are so many tools for us, for our physical bodies. Like we need medication and we need, you know, help with our mental state, you know, therapy and all the things that are there for our physical body to help us with our spiritual journey. Because when we have debil debilitating things happening to our physical bodies and our mental um, state, it is harder for our physical or our spiritual well-being. And so I feel like that helped me realize that these tools that I was guided to through the spirit was to help my my spiritual being. Um, and so after that, it's been very interesting because I started having thoughts and feelings surrounding the gospel and church that I had never had before, ever. And I started feeling uncomfortable around it. Like I don't, cause I've always like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not questioning it. Like it's, I know it's true. Like I just, I just know. And I loved Elder Uchtdorf's, the quote that he says, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. I have felt that has been really important for me. Like my faith can be questioned, but it doesn't have to be abandoned. Like we should have questions. It will help us grow more to understand. Um, it doesn't mean that we have to believe everything. Doubt not. That's not what it means. It means that not doubting that God knows more than we do. Oh, I love that. That's so good. So that, that's been like a huge, a huge thing for me. Um, and so as I have, I don't even know, I guess a faith transition is the best way I can explain it. Um, as I've navigated through this, it's been very eye-opening for me to, to hear my kids tell me their experience within the church and with the gospel and, you know, through their eyes. And as I've talked to some friends who have left the church and 
other family members. I have siblings who have, who are no longer in the church. Um, just talking spiritually with them on a, you know, not surface level talk, what, what made you leave? Like, you know, nothing like that, but like, where are your beliefs and what, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain, but, um, my eyes were opened in ways that they've never been before. And I didn't necessarily feel comfortable in this feeling that I was having. Cause I'm like, I'm not having doubts about the gospel, but this is the experiences that my family members and my friends have had are difficult, you know? And I know that people are not perfect. The gospel is perfect. People are not perfect, no matter what their calling is. We're all a work in progress. I started praying for me to be able to see people more clearly and focus less on where my thoughts were taking me based on the experiences of my family members and giving people more grace and understanding like I would want. I am so far from perfect. I need a lot of grace and understanding, and I want to be able to give that to others. And so to be able to see people more clearly as the Savior does, as I've tried to do with my family, like that was where I started, was really trying to see them through his eyes. And to shift that over to now everybody, and to not see the mistakes, not even mistakes, but human flaw, like that's just, we are all flawed, to see those as part of our experience instead of such a negative way of seeing people. Right. So you've been on this journey navigating your own faith, watching your family navigate their faith in a different kind of a way, watching some friends deal with hard things within their faith as well. And this has been a journey for you of learning and growth and learning to see people in a different way. So what would you tell people who are in the middle of that muddy space right now, who may have kids or family members or husbands who are struggling with their faith and having a hard time knowing which way to go with that? What would you tell them? It's tough, (laughs) but focus on love. Love is the biggest thing that changed everything for me Uh, and focus on the bigger picture rather than just right now. We don't know what the future looks like. And my myopic view of my family members at that time was difficult to let go of, to to be able to see a bigger picture because I was scared of where that would lead. But if we can let go of that fear and just focus on love and focus on how the Savior would handle those situations, you know, he would, he loves no matter what. Right. And to trust that God has a plan for each one of us. And we don't know that that doesn't look the same for everybody. Like it might not mean that our families go to church together or that they ever will. My husband may never be active in the church and I've come to be okay with that. Even though it's hard, it's really, it's not easy. It's still hard, but I focus more on the savior that I'm doing this to be closer to my savior and to my heavenly parents, not because it's culturally 
different or, you know, it's not because my family isn't there. I need to focus less on what I, my limited view on that and more on the bigger picture. That's so good. You're doing it because you love the savior, not because it's a checkbox or this is what I should be doing. That's so good. Right. We could all understand that. And we hear it and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. But if we can really internalize that and apply it to our specific situations, I think we could get so much further <laughs> yeah. in our faith and in our life, just being able to focus on the Savior and what we're doing and why we're doing it. Absolutely. It's because, yeah. It's because, it's because of him. So we are running out of time, unfortunately. I would love to just talk to you all day. Um, but your, your story is such an inspiration and I think it's so relatable. I think there is a lot of people in similar situations to you, maybe with their kids or, or family members or friends. A lot of people are, are navigating hard things right now within their faith. And your story has been inspiring to me and I know it will be inspiring to others as well. But I have one final question for you. And that is, what does standing with the Savior mean to you? It means loving as he loves. Just focus on love and being with him in that space. That's so good. That's so good because he is love, right? And sometimes that love does not come naturally to me personally. <laughs> Maybe it comes Same. more naturally <laughs> to others, but it tells us in the scriptures that we need to pray for charity with all the energy of our hearts. And I think that is because the natural man in us isn't always inclined to that specific path. And so relying on him and praying for love and praying to see others and know how to love them. That's all so good. So thank you for, for sharing your story and how you've come to that beautiful conclusion. I really appreciate you being vulnerable and opening us up to us today. Thanks, Lynette. I appreciate you having me here. It's been so good. We'll have to do it again sometime. Maybe, hopefully not because we have to re-record. This was a good yes. one. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> but it's been a joy. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. All right, my friends, isn't Amy amazing? I loved hearing her story about holding on to her faith amid the challenges in her life. I loved her thoughts about how we can only control ourselves and we can't force our faith or our journey upon anyone and that the way to reach people is by loving them. I think that is so very true and I appreciated Amy bringing that out. I also loved her thoughts about doubt and about how Doubt not doesn't mean not having questions. It means not doubting that God knows more than we do. I loved all of that. I appreciated learning from Amy, and I hope you did too. I cannot wait, my friends, to be back here again next week with you. It will be another solo episode. I'm so excited for this new year and all that it has to offer us. So thanks for being here. If you want to dive in deeper to the general conference addresses from this past October general conference. If you're interested in learning what all of those speakers had to say about invitations, the invitations they offered, I've compiled all of them for you. It's in a free download. You can click on the episode um, description in your podcast app. There is a link there. You can go download that for free and start working on applying those invitations in your life. Thank you again for being here and I will see you back here again next week. 
Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.